Back in the closet. Hey. Back in the closet. <laughs> I forget, where were you at last week? I was in a different closet. I was in uh, Declan's <laughs> room's closet. Now I'm back in my own closet. You know, where, like, Declan's closet has, like, mine is, it's not really a walk-in, but it has that kind of door. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's it, I guess it's a walk-in, but, I mean, it, it, I, I don't want you to think it's nice. <laughs> you know, when you hear, like, oh, I've got a walk-in closet, you hear, like, oh, nice. Like, no, it's, uh, you know, it's a closet I can walk in. Yeah. I'm going to call it that instead of a walk-in closet. Well, but, I, 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 know so, what you, I know yeah. what you mean. Uh, Grace, yeah. Grace and I's closet is kind of the same thing. It, yeah. I wouldn't call it a walk-in closet, but you, you open the doors and you stand inside of it. At the very least. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's crazy the way it, like it, so it goes, like, obviously the roof is up there because there's a slant, and uh-huh. so I have, like, you know, you walk in and I have, like, some shelves where I put my t-shirts and stuff, and then I have, like, one bar where I'm hanging everything up, but then behind that bar, there's, like, another area where, like, all my sweaters are stacked, so when I want a sweater <laughs> in the morning, and there's no lights in here, so I want, so oh, when I want to no. pick out something for the next day... I grab a flashlight, I crawl under my shirts that are hanging, and I go through my stacks of sweaters. <laughs> you got to get so like uh, you got to get one of those like uh, clapper lights or something. Or... I know. Well, there there are two very dim lights up here, like the you, the kind that have like a sticky thing on the back, and you just put them wherever you want. Yeah, yeah, and those give me a little bit of light, but not much. <laughs> not enough. It's Honestly, the brightest thing in here right now is the blue light from my USB microphone. Oh my god, it, yeah. that's so weird. Why? Why would there be a shelf behind like the hanging rack? Well, there's there's not even shelves. They're all just on the floor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like crawling <laughs> on my hands and knees, like under this eave, and uh, and looking at my at my uh, all my stuff that's stacked up. Oh my god, I thought I thought you meant like there was a whole like shelf or something behind where you hung. Uh, hung your t-shirts or hung uh, your shirts and whatever. No, they're just stacked on the floor. There's nothing. To, I don't know what you're supposed to do with that room back there. Maybe I'm supposed to buy shelves or something. But the fact that there are none is kind of weird. Anyway, I who don't knows? Know. Well, I told you about like our our little Hobbit area in the new house, right? Yeah. <laughs> your Hobbit the, hole. My 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 Hobbit hole. That's like fully <laughs> insulated. That I want to record a podcast from so bad, but I know I'll probably last like. Like fifteen twenty minutes before I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, that's the weird thing about this room. It's it's really cold. There's no heat in here if the door is closed. So I don't mind it though, because you know I I I can kind of run hot anyway. So it it makes it feel like kind of a real studio. Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> Basically, my closet is like Mariah Carey's. That's what I'm trying to say. Nice. Probably the same. But the, but Declan's closet has one of those sliding type doors. Those that are like kind of cut in half and you slide it. You know. You know oh, what I mean. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I can only sort of like scoot my feet into there and sort of <laughs> speak into it as well as I can. And so I like being in my little room. <laughs> I might just quarantine myself in here for good. Do it. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> How is your quarantining going since we've kind of been talking about that at the top of the show? Oh, good Lord. Uh, well, I mean, you uh, I, I think you saw what I tweeted uh, as of us recording this. I think you saw what I tweeted yesterday which was the the first day that I really had nothing to do because with, with both of us being radio DJs, well, we're still we're still going to work. Uh, mm-hmm. But yesterday I was in the house except for like going for a walk with the dog all day. And Tim, I was going crazy by ten thirty a.m. <laughs> wow! Can I, I tell I, you the, the Saturday that we the first Saturday that. We were all kind of together in the house for the first, like mm-hmm. we slept until I think about ten thirty. Oh was my crazy. god! We all just stayed in bed. We we're like, "What's the?" <laughs> and, and Colleen was like, "You know, normally she'll wake up, but somehow she just kind of knew it was the weekend. If she's yeah. not, not woken up, she slept until like easily nine forty five, something like that. And we all just stayed in bed. See, we we Grace and I both tried to sleep in. We we didn't set any alarms. We got up like with the uh, sun like beaming through our window. We we're like. Oh man, that was nice. I'm sure it's probably like eleven or something, right? We look at our phones and it's eight AM. Oh jeez. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, and the, yeah, and then uh then the boredom sets in. Yeah. I, I mean I uh I uh started watching more of Detroiters and Grace already hates me for it because she <laughs> she just hates everything with Tim Robinson. Oh she hates him. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. 
<laughs> I, I haven't started it yet, but I did see that it was available through comedy. You know, if you have Comedy Central and cable or whatever, if you have a service that has Comedy Central, you should be able to watch it for free. It, mm-hmm. it looks like it, so. It, I haven't started it yet. It's it's also I think just on any uh, on demand streaming TV platform. I'm watching it on Sling. Uh, I know Pluto has all of them for free. Ooh. Um, so it, it's uh, it's a lot easier to watch for free than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, and there's only like 20 episodes right now. So I'm looking forward to going through that. But that's the thing that I miss the most about life is that, for instance, today I had to get up at 8 a.m., go downstairs and watch this episode because the time when I normally watch the episode, say like Thursday or Friday afternoon, watch an episode of Seinfeld and, and you know, stop it and rewind and take notes, which is an annoying way to watch a show if you're not <laughs> podcasting about it, you know, like. I can't do that now because everybody was home on Thursday and Friday. You know, we have like a new routine that we're into. And like, you know, we don't like to turn on the TV because Colleen will then like say, well, I want to watch what I want to watch. Like, yeah. Yeah, okay, you have to do your, you know, do something educational or do a craft or something. And so I was like, well, it, it got to be Saturday night. And I was like, oh, crap. I haven't even watched the episode yet. There was no time to do it. There's no more alone time, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm missing. But, um, you know. It's it's cool anyway. We 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 go out for a walk. That's kind of our big uh, daily activity. We try to get out like in the evening if it's not raining or whatever, and just walk around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I saw your your Instagram story of you just walking with Colleen's bike just yeah. by yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They all like deserted me while we were walking, and Colleen wanted to run with Sarah, and so then I I just realized I was like, and I was dressed all in black too. I had like a black jacket and a black hat, like pulled down. And I'm like pushing this little girl's pink bike, and I was like, "It looks like I straight up stole a little girl's bike." <laughs> it kind of like, did. It kind of did. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "How would I be able to?" I, you know, they'd have me dead to rights. I have no, I have no evidence that I have not just straight up stolen this little girl's bike walking at home. <laughs> Pittsburgh police pulls up. Whoop whoop, officer! I yeah. swear it's not what it looks like. Okay, well then, what is it? Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm walking alone with a little girl's bike. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, the looting has already begun. Little girl's bike's the first to go. <laughs> not not insulin or TVs. Little <laughs> or girl's bikes paper. or toilet paper. Little girl's bikes. Little girl's bikes. Always <laughs> the first to go. You scum. <laughs> well, all right. Sounds like it sounds like everyone's kind of settling in anyway. To the new normal for now the now normal well i i think so again as as i previously stated this is as of us recording this a week ago uh as you're listening yeah, to that's this true, that's true. so things could be entirely different uh yeah. one one week from today as we're recording this uh there there may no longer be an earth to have podcasts <laughs> on honestly it's true um here's hoping there is yeah, the battle between Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos might have finally occurred and just <laughs> destroyed the entire, just destroyed, blipped the planet out of existence. They both snapped at the same time, and that, this is what happened. <laughs> Meanwhile, like Twitter just collectively is like, what a coincidence. They, they both went crazy at the exact same time. <laughs> uh, all right, should we get started? Yeah, let's get going. All right, welcome to the Hugging No Learning. It's the show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we're talking about the second episode of Season 6, The Big Salad. But before we get to that, we did have some homework and, of course, some trivia from last week's season premiere of Season uh, 6, Episode 1, and that was The Chaperone. Uh, After his disastrous date with Karen, the next time Jerry sees Kramer, he calls him Mr. Blackwell, and we both had no idea. In fact, the fact that both of us had written it down, we were completely puzzled by We're like... Did you write that down? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I don't know. And then we were like, oh, he calls him Mr. Blackwell. That's how much of a lost reference it was on us. So Mr. Blackwell refers to was the nickname, in fact, of Richard Blackwell, an American fashion critic, journalist, television and radio personality, artist, former child actor and former fashion designer, sometimes known as just Mr. Blackwell. As I said, he was uh, the creator of the 10 worst dressed women list, an annual awards presentation he unveiled in January of each year. He wrote two books. Mr. Blackwell, 30 Years of Fashion Fiascos, and an autobiography, that I, a title I love, From Rags to Bitches. <laughs> That's incredible. That is the best name for a book, or literally anything. <laughs> he died uh, in 2008 at the age of 86. But so this guy seems to be, as much as I could tell, like at the forefront of like the fashion police. He was like the first one to sort of like 
say, oh, that dress is ugly and, and like actually make it make that his thing. Mm-hmm. He's probably oh. I didn't see this anywhere, but he was probably like really good friends with Joan Rivers. Uh, that'd be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, probably. He's definitely and, that type of person at the very least. Yeah, he seemed to, if I if it was if I was going to guess he was like a pioneer of like that of that sort of look at fashion as opposed to like oh we just won't talk about the ones that won't look good mm-hmm. and he was probably the first to go oh no we need to talk about those bitches or whatever he sounded <laughs> like I have no idea I'm only I'm only guessing <laughs> um, but so here I I was confused I don't know if you were but he so Jerry was referring to Kramer as a women's fashion expert not a famous chaperone i thought for sure i was going to look up mr blackwell and it was going to be like an authority figure from some 1950s sitcom yeah me too like i I, I still don't get why jerry called him mr blackwell because he you know because kramer's all of a sudden this has all this expertise on bathing suits and formal wear and pageantry and things like that okay so mr blackwell was a women's fashion okay critic and expert and journalist and so that's why he called him It, it would be like saying joan rivers or well, if it isn't the fashion police or something like that, you know, Joan Rivers would be a little too broad because she's she did many things in her career. But Mr. Blackwell was like just this thing. Got it. Seems it. Like. OK. So, yeah, I can't think of what the who the most famous fashion critic would be right now. Uh, what, what, how we can update the reference. God, I have no like, idea. Is fashion police yeah. on E even still a thing? You see, I think they even backed off on that because it it. Everyone was like, "All right, you guys are just bullying now, and and yeah. like, no one thinks that's cool anymore." You know, I mean, Mr. Blackwell was like a personality in like the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and like, oh, it was still fun to like, you know, make fun of people harshly. But then, you know, I think fa- fashion police might be shut down, or either that, or they completely retooled it, and they were like, "Yeah, oh, we're the nice police, the <laughs> nice police, the nice police." <laughs> uh, you know, just not being as bitchy about it, I guess, or as bullying. Uh, so I don't know, and and. But then, you know, even the host of that, like, after Joan Rivers, I think they went to that um, G- Juliana Rancic. And, oh, yeah. You know, she's just kind of a host, so that reference would be lost. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What, oh, maybe, you know what? Would Tim Gunn be a good? Well, if it isn't Tim Gunn. Maybe. I feel like I feel like Tim Gunn would be, like, the next logical step. Yeah. And he's, I, I feel like he's a designer, not a critic, right? But I, th- I still feel like the reference would, would, would hit home. He is, I mean, the main judge on, uh, oh God, Project Runway. Runway? Yeah, right. Yeah, I always get Project Runway Runway confused with America's Next Top Model, even though they're yeah, they're, they're, they're they're very similar, but one's about designing and one's about modeling. Yeah, yeah, one's about making the clothes, one's about putting them on, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I feel like we uh, that might be good, but it, it still would be. I still feel like it wouldn't be on as on the nose as Mr. Blackwell was. I mean, it's just such a specific reference. Uh, so for her backup talent, because Jerry murders her birds, Karen sings It's a Most Unusual Day, which I kept calling It's a Most Wonderful Day. <laughs> and when I was Googling it, I was like, why isn't this coming up? And so I finally had to go and correct my error. Um, and because it, it kept get, sending me to It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. I was like, oh no, my I'm God. about one day, not the entire <laughs> Not the entire Christmas season, just one day. Uh, it's the most <laughs> wonderful day. It's a most unusual day is from A Date with Judy, a MGM musical film from 1948. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, then Starring... again, it's not Jerry giving her the song to sing, you know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Although he did contribute to the script, you know, or whatever. Well, Although, well, like, yes. in, in a meta sense, it was Jerry. <laughs> in a meta sense, yes. But, like, in... In terms of the character on the show, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not Jerry Seinfeld making the super <laughs> like dated reference. Yeah, no, for once, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it has Wallace Beery, Jane Powell, and Elizabeth Taylor. Um, did I found out like the name of this song from a quiz called really? "Songs Sung by Seinfeld Characters Quiz"? And Tim, would you believe that this song has the lowest correct percentage rate out of the entire quiz? Yes, I would. <laughs> I think I would. Only 6.8% of people taking this quiz were correctly identifying it's a most unusual day. Dang. And so what did you have to do? You had to say, what song does Karen sing or Karen sings what song? What was the answer? The the person or the The, the question is, Miss Rhode Island sings this song from the 1948 ah. musical A Date with Judy for the Miss America pageant talent competition. Answer is, it's a most unusual day. Yeah. And most people get it wrong. 
Yeah. Wow. Well, well, yeah, well, it's not it's not that memorable of a scene. <laughs> it's it's not. Say. It's not. And yeah. on top of that, it's not a widely known song. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's a million percent true. That's the better point, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It could have been like a really memorable scene, but it's still a very forgettable song. <laughs> I guess maybe that was the point. I don't know. But uh, so that question's been answered. And I think that's the only homework we had. So I do have a little bit of trivia from the chaperone. The locker room scenes were filmed at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, California, of course, because that's where Seinfeld was produced, not in New York. <laughs> um, and so they were at Angel Stadium during late July of 1994 when the New York Yankees were actually in town for a series against the then California Angels. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't have to, like, ship anybody in. Like, all the Yankees were just there. It's kind of interesting that, that they did it during the season. You know, it wasn't like, hey, can we get Buck Showalter and Danny Tartable to, like, fly out and do this segment? Like, no, they were they were just in town anyway. So very uh, budget conscious, I guess. <laughs> uh, and the show originated as a script by Bill Masters and Bob Shaw called The Birds, obviously a reference to what happens to the pigeons or the, the doves, rather, uh, late in the episode, Larry David wrote a second draft of the story, which was used as the shooting script. And so they all get credit for the episode, Bill Masters and Bob Shaw and Larry David. I wonder what the original plot of the birds was, though, if it involved like what Larry David's rewrite was. You know, I'd love to know. I don't know. Maybe the birds were just like a more prominent figure in the episode. Yeah, it seems like it. So I wonder how they got to murdering, you know. Where, where that fit into the original story. I'd be interested to see that original original script. But I think that's all I got. All right. Uh, any other, like, newsworthy bits or anything? I always see... I always run across stuff, and I'm like, oh, I got to remember that for when it <laughs> says newsy, newsworthy bits, and then I immediately forget them, and I haven't written <laughs> anything down, so... Uh, no, I guess not. <laughs> I guess that's my long way of saying no. Okay. But I swear I saw something that I was like, ah, I'm going to remember that. Oh, well. Forget it. All right. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy podcast. We like to have our questions come up naturally through the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are answering our own homework. Uh, if we do miss something, if we egregiously skip over something that uh, you think is super important to the episode that we just don't think of, please send us an email, send us a tweet at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHugging, no learning show at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts uh and we will send you a no hugging no learning sticker they're these uh really cool like 90s holographic looking mm. things uh and if you do leave us a review please send us your address uh i know shuby do left us a review on apple podcasts <laughs> uh five stars saying unique show idea an interesting concept for a podcast very nice cool so five stars five stars <laughs> so shuby do uh, thank you for your review, and uh, please send us your. I was trying to think of a way to rhyme address with do, but I I couldn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> I um I did see uh, we got another one. Someone a uh, Tim Murphy talk sent us his address in Pittsburgh. So yeah. make sure you shoot some of those out to him. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have he to says... send him one. He DM'd the show, and I think I replied, "Oh, good lord, get out of here." <laughs> He uh, he did review the show back in 2018. I, I did have to go check. I was like, oh, crap. Maybe I never reviewed it. But I did. I definitely did. No, you definitely did. And I was confused <laughs> because your name wasn't your name. It was like T-M-I-H-T-W-G. For, for only... Tim Murphy, I heard that was good for your Bingo. old podcast. Yeah, the only reason I signed, uh, the only reason I have an iTunes account is because I think you need one to submit your podcast, and so you know I didn't. That's the name I used because I think also maybe I even had another alternate Apple ID that I couldn't remember, and I was like, well, screw it, I'll just make a new account. One of those two things is is why I have that. Yeah, and I, so I didn't even recognize my own name. I was like, oh crap, I haven't reviewed it. <laughs> Did you leave another review then, or just you went with your your one from two years ago? No, I went with that one. Yeah, okay. no, I, have, I didn't. I didn't sign up for a new account, but it did make me realize I do have to, you know, log into Sarah's iTunes and <laughs> leave a review from her account. So I'll do that as well. So two stickers to that address. I mean, if it if it makes you feel better, Grace has never reviewed the show. I don't. I don't think she's listened to one episode of this shit. Oh yeah, no, Sarah. Sarah won't listen, but I'm going to make no. sure that a review. And no, I'm going to. I mean, I'm going to get her phone and write it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to leave it up to her. <laughs> one star 
<laughs> one star. This takes up so much of our Sunday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to do stuff as a family. Tim Murphy won't come out of the closet. <laughs> the, the review is just like, Tim, grab a sweater while you're in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crawl under your crawl under your formal wear and grab a sweater. <laughs> oh man. Okay. But um Are you I, with that being said? I don't even know. I, I think so. Was there something <laughs> else? Uh did you say that you're watching these for the first time? I think you did all that, right? No, I didn't say that again. Oh. Wow. I okay. forgot that again. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah. I'm watching these episodes for the first time. Tim is watching these episodes for the first time. Uh, in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. Where did I normally shoehorn that in? Because this is the second week I've forgotten it. I think this is where it goes. I think... Um, after saying, we're not a research-heavy show. I, I think I put it in after the disclaimer, actually. Uh, I think I put it in, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, we like to assign <laughs> uh, homework to ourselves. I'm watching these episodes for the first time. You're watching uh, these episodes for the first time in years. Uh, You've been so excited about the stickers, like they've just sort of like jumped I know. the order. The the stickers have taken <laughs> have taken precedent over me saying that I've never seen these episodes before. Yeah, you just <laughs> wanted stickers. This whole all all eighty five of these episodes or whatever <laughs> we're up to have been just so Ted could get stickers, and now that he has them, <laughs> just fuck everything else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. That being said. Uh, season six, episode two, The Big Salad. Original air date, September 29th, 1994. I was one year, nine months, and nine days old. And if you're counting this episode, Tim, we have 88 episodes until we become a, uh, a, uh, fashion police podcast. Ah, uh, yes. Of course. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Jerry learns his date was dumped by Newman. Kramer, Kramer worries that he caused a murder, and George's petty remarks cause him trouble. Mm, like I said last week, there's a lot of lot of information in there, and it may give too much away, but we'll see what if we can do better when we get to the end of the episode. We start with a stand-up bit as usual, and this is about how if you go into what Jerry says is a stationary store, which I know are a thing, but it still <laughs> is funny to hear. You know, like, I feel like they're less and less of a thing. Like, once we actually see a stationary store, I'm like, oh, office supplies. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like if he was telling this joke today, he'd say Staples or or something like that. Yeah, or were, were there, like, independent, just stationary stores in the 90s? Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, even today, you find these boutique stationary stores that sell special paper and special pens and cards and, and things like that. Um, but you're not going to get like any like a, a chair for your office or a desk no. or anything big that Staples would sell. It's all going to be like stuff for on your desk. Yeah, paper and pens and pencils and yeah, maybe some maybe files, I guess. But, <laughs> but when I hear stationary store today, I think of these boutique places that are going to sell like, you know, uh, just eight by like scrapbooking supplies or something. They're going to sell astronaut pens. Yeah. And astronaut pens are right upside down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so they, they make million. You go in, you see million, they make millions of pens every year. There's tons of pens yet. He's first of all, never used up a pen in his whole life, which I, I thought was pretty funny. But then also, you know, that's why it's so humiliating. If you don't have a pen, you always have to whisper like, do you have a pen? I don't, I don't have a pen because they make millions of them every year. Yeah, no one ever has one. Where do they go? Uh, not a bad bit. I, I like the fact uh, I don't identify with it because I always carry a pen. And I would recommend that to everybody. I, I have one in my front right pocket all the time. And you really? wouldn't believe. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe how many times. <laughs> a, I use it a day. I mean, countless times a day. But also how many times people have borrowed it because no one ever <laughs> has a pen. But I always do. I guess I'm just always afraid that it's going to break and I would get a giant ink blotch on my jeans. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? No, it will break, but I use the uh, I use the G2, which is made by, I want to say that's Bic. Okay. I, no, it's Pilot. I'm sorry. It's the Pilot G2. My apologies to the Pilot Corporation. Can't I believe it. I should edit that first part out because maybe they'll <laughs> send me like a whole box of, of Pilot G2s. I mean, hey, um, if, we, if yeah. we can't get a Manscaped sponsorship, then we're probably not going to get a Pilot sponsorship. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> um, but so I, that's the one I use. So it's gel ink. And whenever it does break, I've, I've never had that actual inside part break. The only thing that usually breaks, because I do clip it on my pocket, I'll, I'll, I'll 
get too close to a door frame or something. That's usually oh, what happens. Man. And it, like, sl- so that's the reason I've never finished a pen is because I always break that little part or it um or it does co- or it does break in the in the middle there where you can screw and unscrew it. But here's the thing about the Pilot G2, it's refillable, so you can buy the refills. Ooh. And so I always keep those refills, but I have never ever used one because the <laughs> pen always breaks before I can refill it. <laughs> And I say all this, uh, you know, maybe Pilot would not want to sponsor us now after saying that, but I am still a brand loyalist. I, I love the uh, I love the gel ink in the Pilot G2. Quote me. <laughs> uh, but I but I always have a pen. I always, and whenever someone borrows it, I always mention that I always have a pen, and I always mention what a good idea it is. But but no one ever takes me up on it. Well, next week we will be sponsored by Bic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't break like that shitty G2. <laughs> <laughs> and then the week following, we will be sponsored by Pilot because it, it yeah. took them a week to listen to this episode. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> and then, ah, oh, <laughs> shit. Hey, don't. <laughs> hey, guys, don't get caught playing with your Bic. When I don't have my pen, like I, I'm naked. Like I, when I, I'm constantly. Really? I'm constantly touching it to make sure it's there. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it's just it's such it's like a security blanket. That's like, that's the thing that you're constantly like checking your pocket to make sure you have. Like that yeah. that's your thing that you feel naked without. Yep. Wow. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and yeah, I always do like whenever I put because uh, anymore I just keep like my wallet in my coat pocket. Um, but like whenever I put my coat on, I always do like the triple tap of like keys, wallet, phone. Mm. And if I'm wearing like jeans, I feel naked without my belt. Ah, yeah, yeah. I've been wearing a belt for so long that I would, I would feel the same way. I feel weird when I'm not wearing a belt. And I guess it is kind of like an article of clothing. So you are a little naked (laughs) without a belt. (laughs) It's an accessory anyway. God, this is the weirdest tangent we've ever gone off on, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so we open at a stationery <laughs> store called Stationers, and I don't know if you noticed this, it is next to the frozen yogurt place. I didn't. Oh, whoa, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if we have to go back to the frozen yogurt episode to make sure that Stationers <laughs> is next door. What, but what, it, what I did yeah. notice, though, is I know you mentioned this last week, but this was the first episode directed by Andy Ackerman, and hey. there's, there's his production card right there, or his, um, yeah. his production credit. And as long as we're talking about uh, the the opening credits, I, they're using the same ugly logo that they used yep. in the first episode. Yeah, so that has not changed. <laughs> uh, but maybe we'll try to go back to the frozen yogurt episode and see if Stationers is next door. But I don't know if it will be because that sign was like a million. It looked really fake. It looked it, it looked brand new as opposed to the rest of the facade of the building, which looked you know kind of old and aged and dirty. What, so that's the, what made the it really stick shop out. Or Stationers. Stationers. Hmm, I didn't notice that, actually. So I'm guessing that it was just a storefront that they popped a new sign on really quick and, and got that shot. So, But we'll see, because Sunset Cleaners was definitely right next to uh, the uh, optical shop. J&T Optical? Yeah, so maybe I will go back and check. Elaine is looking for a Rolamec 1000, which is a mechanical pencil for Mr. Pitt, and there's a really creepy clerk at the stationery store, <laughs> and he keeps like kind of obviously hitting on her in a very creepy way. He doesn't have this particular pencil in stock, which, by the way, is very expensive, but he makes a point that he will call Elaine when you know he'll order it, and then he'll call her when it comes in. This is obviously just a ruse to get her phone number. He asks you know, her first name, and... And then he asked her last name, and she won't give it. She's like, oh, it's just Elaine, like, share. <laughs> and then for her number, she gives Jerry's number. But she gives it as KL52390. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think this is the first time that we've heard somebody in Seinfeld give a number as, like, Klondike 5. Yeah. With, like, the actual street exchange. At, you know, why not just say 555? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe even at that point. Writers were noticing, yeah, if we just say 555, then it definitely sounds fake. Yeah. But I mean, like, it it sounds even more fake when you say KL, because I know in 94, no one was, like, ringing up Lily Tomlin on on the other end of the line saying, yes, could I have Klondike 52390 or whatever, you know, however you used to have to, (laughs) Pennsylvania 65000, please. Uh, (laughs) So no one was giving out the number KL5. Even in 1994, so I that that stuck out like a sore thumb more than five 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 two three nine zero would have. Yeah. I don't know. I wrote down 
Uh, I don't know if you've seen this like meme on Twitter of like people tweeting uh, the emojis of like a teary face on one line and below it like fingers pointing towards each other, almost as though it's looking like a sad pouty like person. But the guy at the stationery store is the living embodiment of that meme, <laughs> that tweet. Yeah, he they he's very well cast. He was really really gave off a creep vibe. <laughs> Out on the street. The Elaine and Jerry run into George and his new girlfriend, Julie, and they're going to lunch. And I don't know if this is a, was a joke between Jerry and George or what, but they invite Jerry and Elaine and Jerry goes, oh, I just had a big bowl of cake. No, he had big bowl of kicks. Oh, kicks. I thought yeah. he said cake. No, kicks. The cereal. Oh, well, that makes even more sense because like who eats cake in a bowl? <laughs> But I just thought it was kind of a funny, a funny trade. So that, so a big bowl of kicks, that's good. But so I totally believe now that he did just have a giant bowl of kicks. We know what a big cereal fan. Yeah, he is. But I love George's retort, like, "Well, oh, that's very mature." <laughs> uh, so then this happens, which I think is even weirder. Like Elaine doesn't want to go to lunch, but she says, "Bring me something." Like, no, I've never. No. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to then deliver something to you. Yeah. If you're hungry, come to lunch. Yeah. If you're, if you're hungry and you don't want to come to lunch, <laughs> you're on your own. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not like, I'm not going to order something for you if you're not joining us. We wanted you to join us. Yeah. If you're hungry, you're, you're out right now. Stop on the way back. You're going back to the apartment. You get something on the way back. We're not in God. charge of this. No, yeah. like, we're not in charge of getting you lunch. Yeah, we what we, a cra- we extended the invitation. Yeah, just insane. If you do, if you're not going to lunch, that's the end of that transaction. <laughs> you know, it was just insane <laughs> to me. But but so George is like, you know, uh, of course, you know, we'll we'll bring you something, and uh, she wants the big salad. And George doesn't believe, you know, he's like, he doesn't believe that the place has a big salad. They, you know, they have kind of a, I like the exchange about what's in the big salad. And Jerry's like, big lettuce, big carrots, tomatoes the size of volleyballs. <laughs> I, I, I did like George's line. He's like, what, what do I, what do I even ask for? Do I ask for the big salad? <laughs> yeah. That, that would be me though, honestly. Yeah. Like if, uh, if we're getting something from a pizza place and Grace just wants like a steak salad or something and yeah. she just asks me. Oh yeah, just get me like get give me a big salad. I'm like, well, what what exactly do you want? I need to know. I can't just tell them. Yeah, give me one of those big salads. Yeah, I, I hate that too. When when you're ordering for somebody else and you're not familiar with it, and so you're going to be outed as as not familiar yeah. with it. Well, like I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, like well, well now I'm stuck. I have no idea. One time, one time, uh, whenever I was still uh, living with my dad, like back in high school, I. Uh, we wanted to get like a party pizza from one of the pizza shops and mm-hmm. none of us could really remember like what it was called. Uh, it, for reference, it's called, or no, uh, one place has one called the big daddy, but we didn't get it from that pizza shop. We got it from the other one where it's just called like a party pizza, but no one was certain of that. So he calls him <laughs> up and he says, yeah, give me one of those big ass pizzas. And they immediately knew what he meant and they delivered it right to our house <laughs> because that is living in a small town. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what the employees called it. <laughs> yeah, one of those big ass pizzas. <laughs> I would love if this was called the big ass salad. Give me a big ass <laughs> salad. What do I ask for? The big ass salad? <laughs> big ass salad. Uh, up in the apartment, Jerry and Elaine are talking about how dating is getting embarrassing. And I like this. It doesn't seem like Jerry would be that self-conscious about about something like this it seems like this is more of a george thing to be like oh, i don't want people looking at me when i'm out on a date like who, what do you you know but it's interesting that jerry and elaine both feel this way because i would this is something i would get in my head about like oh everyone's everyone's looking at me they know i'm out on a date they think really it's so cute where, yeah yeah i think where, totally i'd be very self-conscious about that where did this like point of view come from this just came out of nowhere didn't it yeah it really did okay i, I was trying to think i'm like did he like mention something about this earlier or why is Jerry suddenly like socially anxious? Yeah, it is. It, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a weird thing because he doesn't seem to be he seems to be either oblivious about feeling judged, you know, by, by other people or just doesn't doesn't care whatever. Like, either he doesn't know what's happening or if it is, he just doesn't care what they think. So it was a weird angle to come at for Jerry to say, you know, for his character. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> uh, maybe not Elaine. I don't know about her, but I agree that like I would hate you know. It's it's fun to people watch. It's not fun to know that you are, or even suspect that you are being people watched. You know that, what I mean? That's true. I will oh, look at them. I they're on a date. That. You can tell it's a first date. <laughs> or whatever, you know. There's a commotion in the hallway, and Kramer is out there with golf clubs, and he says he is never playing with that jerk, Steve. And this is another time I need the captions because I heard this name pronounced about twelve different ways. Oh, so it, what is it? What is the official pronunciation, Ted? It, it's Gendison, G-E-N-D-A-S-O-N. Holy, I I didn't start hearing a D in there until. Um, I would say the end of the episode. Like the, <laughs> really? The very end of the episode. Yeah. So I first wrote it down, Denison, D-E-N-N-I-S-O-N. Wow. Totally and then I different. Wrote it, then I wrote it down, Gennison, G-E-N-N-I-S-O-N. <laughs> and then it wasn't until the end that I was like, "Is are they throwing in a D or a T in there? <laughs> so, yeah, I and and I don't blame my bad ears. I blame the the actors delivering the. It was it was different every single time they delivered it. Well, yeah, because every the, the first couple times they delivered it, they just said it real quick, like Gennison or, yeah. or Gennison, 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 yeah, Gennison. And this guy's a former baseball player, and Kramer got upset when he picked up his ball on the fairway and cleaned it because that's against the rules. You're only allowed to do that on the green. And so Kramer gave him a penalty stroke and they got in a huge fight about it. Over at Monks, Julie is talking about all the intellectual columnists that she reads and all George can contribute is something about sports, <laughs> which is pretty funny. He's like trying to keep up and like she's naming yeah. people and he's like, oh, oh, of course. Yeah, him. Uh, but but like yeah. Julie's just way too smart for George. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. George pays the bill at lunch but julie grabs the big salad to go from the waitress while george is paying which he does take notice of as they're leaving the restaurant he, he kind of sees that she grabbed the bag of salad before him uh, up in the apartment the stationery store calls to say that the pencil has been ordered and so this guy is like, to, and, and uh, really just as an excuse to try to talk to Elaine. But because it's Jerry's number, you know, he's obviously saying, oh, she's not here. She'll be back soon or whatever. He, he's, um, he's basically the Domino's pizza tracker of ordering a pen. Like, hey, we ordered your pen. Hey, your pen is on its way. Hey, your pen is at the store. Hey, your yeah. pen is being delivered to you. Yeah, just all... But but like a creepy stalker, oh god, Domino's yeah. pizza, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who like wants to talk to you uh, <laughs> and, and go out with you. Um, by the way, Superman is on the bookshelf uh, still. Oh, I didn't notice episode. it. Oh my god. Okay, <laughs> Julie drops off the salad. Julie gives the salad to Elaine, and then she's going to the Guggenheim. So another very smart outing for Julie that George doesn't want any part of because there's not going to be any NFL players on the wall or anything. <laughs> uh, and so she leaves, and George is upset immediately. That Julie took credit for the big salad, but like, did she? Uh, it, it was it was credit by omission. You know, she okay. could have said, "Oh, here you go. Yeah. Here's the salad George bought for you, or something." That's, but she doesn't. That sounds so awkward, though. <laughs> in, and in Elaine, my opinion, <laughs> and Elaine says thank you, and she says you're welcome. Uh, that's another point where she could have said, "Oh, George got it." You know. Yeah, or like, uh, don't thank me, thank George, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, Maybe that would have been the better place to do it. I guess, but like, oh my god, this is infuriating. <laughs> it's it's an interesting, and it gets more interesting. I feel like later on in the episode, whether or not she did it with malice intent, or whether it was just I handed someone a salad. It, it'll be interesting to see where we both fall on this, <laughs> because at this, you know, at this point, it does sure seem like a, a casual mistake or mm -hmm. whatever. Kramer rushes in and turns on the TV, and Steve... Gendison. Gendison. <laughs> Steve Gendison is, at this point, just wanted, right? Or uh, just suspected. No, he was taken in for questioning about taken the murder of... Was it Bobby Pincus's wife? No, I think it's just Bobby Pincus. Okay. okay. The dry cleaner, yeah. Uh, murdering a dry cleaner after a fight over a stain on some slacks. So, yeah, at first I wrote down arrested, and then later on they're like, oh, he was... He's gonna. There's. They showed up to arrest him. I was like, oh well, crap. What happened the first time? So yeah, I don't. Yeah, just I don't brought think, in for questioning. Yeah, this wasn't him being arrested. They were just like interested in like asking him some questions. Yeah. Well, Kramer thinks he made him so mad 
on the golf course that he went and murdered his dry cleaner. And I thought Jerry's line was like hilarious and dark here. Like, well, you know, to be fair, you don't need extra incentive to murder a dry cleaner. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I feel like that's a very like big city. We use laundromats all the time kind of joke. But we've already seen very early on in the series, Jerry, you know, dealing with laundra, you know, laundromat owners and dry cleaners. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when when uh, he tried to destroy the the thing because he thought he stole sixteen hundred bucks from him or whatever. Um, oh, in a cab. George and Elaine are there, and he is, in a roundabout way, very like, I don't know, how would you describe the way he is going about this? I was going to say, like, hemming and hawing, or Uh, passive-aggressive. I wrote down at first, he's trying not to say anything. Yeah. Uh, But Elaine, uh, he asks Elaine, how how was the salad? She's like, oh, it was uh, was good. It was too big. And (laughs) and then... uh, what did I write here? Oh, he takes so many laps around just asking for a thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going about it in a very roundabout way, I guess, is the, the best way to say it. He wants to say it without saying it. He wants to. He wants her to say thank you without even requesting it, but he just realizes, and he only wants to go as far as he needs to, to make it look like he's not as petty as he is. I guess that's the best way to say it uh, yeah. about the salad situation. <laughs> uh, and, and Elaine is just getting more and more exasperated. One thing I noticed about this shot was I really loved the ride up Broadway in the cab. I was looking at a lot of the scenery in the back. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you could see the uh, where the late late or I'm sorry, the late show with David Letterman was being filmed at the time there at the uh, oh the Ed Sullivan Theater. Yeah, and it has the late show with David Letterman marquee outside. Uh, you can see the theater where Cats was playing. Uh, I just thought it was like kind of a fun ride. Oh man, through a very through a very cool district in in the city. I didn't see any of these things. Yeah, I don't, it, the, the Letterman thing really caught my eye because that's just so recognizable that blue and yellow that was outside the Ed Sullivan Theater for so long. Up in the apartment, Jerry is there with a date, and she wants to go out, but Jerry again, you know, says, you know, we don't. Well, we don't need a bunch of people looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and do you think maybe it's because they're in their late thirties that he's also embarrassed about still dating? Maybe. Because I, I know they have a lot of married friends and and stuff like that that they're always, you know, and maybe maybe that's what he feels judged about. Maybe um, almost just like the fact that they're I, I don't I don't know still acting like like they're in their twenties. Yeah, that that could be where he you know he feels judged for still acting for kind of being a you know not a kid but. Mm-hmm. Certainly, he's not at the place where a majority of late 30s people are <laughs> in their lives, I guess. That might be something about it. But but I think also it's like, you know, I don't, want, I don't want people looking at me while I'm trying to focus on this date. I don't know what it is. <laughs> something like that. I, I don't want people focusing on me while I'm trying to make out with this girl in a movie <laughs> theater. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe it's because you're kind of like different on a date, you know, like you try to be as normal as possible, but you also try to make a good impression. Yeah. And so that that could be a part of it, too. There's a lot of awkwardness. I mean, we don't need to. Dates are awkward. We don't need to, we don't need to tell people this. <laughs> and so being watched while that's happening. Sure. Uh, so the stationery store calls again and uh, Elaine's still not there. I figure what the call was about this he, time. He wants to know what time Elaine would be coming back. Oh, Spe- yeah, yeah. Specifically that the pen was in, and he wanted to know what time exactly she would be there so that I- I'm guessing he could make sure that he was also there, circumstantially, of course. Yeah, yeah. And Newman knocks on the door, and he's looking for Kramer because of this whole Gendison thing. He wants some info on it, and Jerry's not telling him anything. Uh, and then Kramer, I mean, uh, Newman sees some chocolate, so he, uh, you know, well, sort of barges his way it, into it, Jerry's apartment. Is that what it is? He called them Chunkies. Oh, Chunkies. Okay. See, again, like, I don't know why everyone was mumbling in this episode. <laughs> Maybe I had the volume down lower than I normally did because it was, you know, eight in the morning and everybody was still upstairs <laughs> uh, kind of lounging. So maybe it, would, maybe it is my fault after all. But no, Chunkies are definitely a specific type of candy. I want to say they're like um, like kind of a chocolate-covered Rice Krispie deal. I could be wrong Ooh. about that, though. Ooh. Yeah. That actually sounds pretty good. Like, what are, they, what are those things called? Like the Star Cakes or something like that? The Star... Star Crunches? Like little... Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I those are incredible. But, but I could be wrong about that. So maybe we'll put Chunkies down as far as, uh, you know, homework for next week. What? Because I heard him say chocolates. <laughs> you know, as soon as we find it, we're both independently just going to look at it and quote, I think you should leave and just go, that's a Chunky. <laughs> that's a Chunky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you do? You have to find. You have to figure out what you do. Um, <laughs> and then so Newman, you know, sees the woman on the couch and they know each other. He says, hello, Margaret. And I thought she was going to say, hello, Newman. I wish she would have. I thought that would have been pretty funny. But uh, no, she just says hello. 
and Jerry's like, you guys know each other? And well, apparently they used to go out and Jerry is like blown away. Like Newman, you know, escorts himself out. He leaves and he's like, uh, and Jerry is like, just, just kind of like short circuited Mm -hmm. over the fact that (laughs) this woman that he's interested in used to also date Newman. I think that is, I think that's the best possible way to explain Jerry's like, mindset after this is he's just absolutely short-circuited he can't focus on anything else he's obsessed now and especially (laughs) once he finds out a that you know why did you go up with newman i don't know i liked him you liked him well what uh you know how did it why why did you stop seeing him and and apparently he ended it she said and that (laughs) blows his mind even more kramer bursts in and tells jerry that they found a golf tee this is in the dry cleaner right uh yes they either found it in the dry cleaner or they found it like in his pants oh okay or maybe just in the dry cleaners maybe he meant in the in the dry cleaner like Ma- in the maybe. actual business maybe because i don't I'm like because i don't think gennison was dropping off any clothing i no. I, I, th- I think it was just like they found it like in like on the floor or something i took it as like he put a golf tee inside the dry like as part of the murder <laughs> oh but i'm <laughs> but I'm thinking about I'm thinking what it, what he actually meant was like a, a, a golf tee was found on the floor or something like that. In Maybe, the dry yeah. <laughs> when he says like they found a golf tee in the dry cleaner, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> he killed him with a single golf tee, <laughs> a golf tee to the heart. It, he for held, temple. He held it just right and pushed it in with just enough force. <laughs> that he was yeah. able to kill him with a single golf tee. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> over at monks jerry is you know well like we we're saying still obsessed and peppering elaine with these rhetorical questions about newman and margaret and he has i like this um elaine says maybe there's more to newman than meets the eye and jerry goes no there's less <laughs> i always love that quote that, that's that's a really good line yeah <laughs> jerry tells elaine that the stationery store has the pencil in and Elaine is like, oh, I bought one yesterday on 14th. And so now I guess she's got to go and explain that she bought the pencil somewhere else. Julie comes in, meanwhile, and says she's meeting George there. And Elaine's like, oh, I better get out of here before he makes me buy him lunch for that big salad the other day. And Julie is like, hmm? You know, she kind of <laughs> uh, just takes note that Elaine said that. Yeah. Over at Newman's, uh, Jerry knocks on Newman's door. We get it like a, an interesting... Like, we see a lot of Newman's apartment here. Yeah, and I was uh, surprised at how much and how uh, not like Jerry's apartment, Newman's apartment looked, you know? Yes, yeah, the bathroom is kind of in the same place, and you can Mm -hmm. see maybe that's probably where the bedroom is, but it seems a little smaller. Yes. Maybe that's all the clutter, I don't know. Maybe. It it didn't seem like he had a kitchen immediately to the left uh, whenever you're walking in the door, though. That's what I thought too. I was like, "Where is his kitchen?" <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe, maybe his kitchen is like where Jerry's fourth wall is. Yeah, that could be it. And it's just like a smaller impart, uh, smaller apartment entirely. Yeah, that's kind of my guess that it's like a smaller, uh, what do they call it, floor plan? Maybe. Yeah, uh, and let me see. Oh, Jerry wants answers about why Newman broke up with Margaret. And Newman is still being very coy. He can tell this is torturing Jerry. And so he's, you know, taking all those opportunities that he can. He says, she's not my type. Just didn't do it for me. And uh, he's Newman says that, you know, I need a really pretty face that she wasn't attractive enough for him. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing Jerry really asks him is what? You didn't think she was attractive? And Newman goes, no. And yeah. I'm thinking, what are the odds that the first thing Jerry asked about was the exact reason Newman stopped seeing her? The first thing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the first thing Jerry would think is like, you know, not like, oh, she wasn't smart enough for you. Oh, she, uh, you know, some, something else. Uh, she made more money than you. No, it's, you know, obviously we got to go right to being attractive. Oh, my God. But he was like, I, I just I need a really pretty face, but that's just me. Over the apartment, Kramer is still worried uh, that he pushed Gendison over the edge. And Jerry starts asking him about Margaret. Like, she's pretty, right? And Kramer calls her a natural beauty, mentions that she doesn't wear makeup, uh, which he likes. And, (laughs) you know, so Jerry is still trying to figure out, 
you know what what the deal is with Newman and Margaret and him, and Kramer is going to go see Gendison to you know maybe get it off his conscience that he was the one that pushed him over the edge. Yeah, well, I I, I think we got to touch on this. Uh, yeah. Kramer is saying like he's a stickler for the rules, and he yeah. went back and found the rule book where he was indeed in the right for yeah. calling Gendison out for cleaning his ball, but Kramer says. He's a stickler for the rules because as a kid, he had to be in bed by nine o'clock every night or you know what would happen. Is Kramer alluding that he was beat as a child if he wasn't in bed by nine? I think that's the implication. Good Lord. This took a very very dark turn and we're already talking about murder. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, it was was kind of um, an odd glimpse into Kramer's... (laughs) <laughs> psyche you know like why he is the way he is yeah he, he was totally right but i mean jerry asked him why he has to be a stick it was just a friendly game like when you go play golf with your friends mm-hmm. you're not on the pga tour you know it's like exactly if you want to clean his ball on the fairway so you what? know then you do something that is not you know that is that is a slight <laughs> rule bend yeah you don't need to be such a stickler when it's just a friendly game but he is and you know gives us a little reason why <laughs> <laughs> over at Monks, George um, is kind of being very woke about playing with dolls. He's like, you know what? I think if there were dolls in the house, I would have played with them. I don't see it as a gender thing. Yeah, man. Gender fluid icon George Costanza here. Once again, ahead of his way ahead of his time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> God. We've, yeah, we were, we're almost up to like, you know, double digits as far as like George, you know, being Mr. 2020. George living in the living in the year 3000. And we're we're back here in 2020. <laughs> But Julie wants to know why Elaine knew that George bought lunch. And George at first tries to, you know, lie his way out of the situation, saying, like, I I don't know what uh, what are you getting at here? And she essentially says that, you know, did you tell Elaine that you bought lunch? Did you go out of your way? I think that's what he says. Are you insinuating that I went out of my way to tell <laughs> Elaine that I bought the salad so that I could get a thank you? And, and Julie doesn't and like, back down. Julie doesn't back down either. She's like, that's exactly what I'm insinuating. Yeah. I think she's like, well, did you? He's like, well, it was my salad or something like that. He buckles immediately, as he always does when he's challenged. And George asks, I want to know why you would claim responsibility and accept a thank you under false pretenses. He's just clinging to any ground that he may have here. <laughs> but then yeah. Julie comes back and as she's picking up like her stuff to leave, she just says, George, all I did was hand someone a bag. <laughs> and <laughs> and he kind of takes that argument as like the, the winning blow. He's like, well, oh, I guess that is what happened. But I'm still on George's side here where... She could have said something, and the fact that she made a big deal of it after the fact meant that she she was being petty, too. She liked getting that thank you and getting the credit, and she could have cleared it all up, but but she didn't. And and so the fact that she brought it up again with George, she could have been like, oh, well, it was his whatever, whatever he wants to do. I don't know. I, I still think this is a severe overreaction. From it definitely, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have taken it as far as he did, <laughs> but I, I, and I don't think I would have gone to the, even the extent of like saying, you know, I bought the salad, um, but I still feel like he was in the right. As far as he went with it, he was, he had all of the moral high ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whether he should have used it, you know, I guess maybe he blew the moral high ground by pursuing it because <laughs> he could have just said, well, you know what? It, it was wrong, but I'm going to take the high road and not make sure I get a thank you and, and, and so on. Uh, but, but instead he did the George, he went the George way over at the stationery store. Elaine is apologizing to the clerk and explaining. Oh, and, and the clerk is explaining how hard it was to get it. So quickly he went, oh, he made a special Lord. trip down to the warehouse, got in an argument with the foreman. It took him three hours uh, to get this pencil as fast as he did. And so <laughs> Elaine's like, well, you know, I, I'm sorry. And he's like, yeah, well, then how about going out with me? Like, Elaine doesn't owe this dude anything. He, She asked him to do something for his job that yeah. is the store that he works at. Yep. And she went to another place because they, I'm assuming, had the pen or the pencil in stock, unlike yeah. this stationery store. And that was her job to get that pencil as quickly as possible. Right? 
This wasn't like a, oh, I wanted this thing and I wanted it as quick as possible. No, it was like my boss wanted it as quick as possible. So I'm going to I'm going to do that. That yeah, and that's business. <laughs> that's business, man. God. Uh, but this guy's ready for business with Elaine. Hey. It's business time with <laughs> Elaine. And so she does, you know, you can tell she feels guilty and she even says as much later on and so reluctantly she says okay to the date with this creep. Uh, over in a car uh, Margaret is talking about the Gendison case. She's kind of, uh, you can tell it's kind of captured the psyche of the uh, American public. It's mm-hmm. captured the attention of the American public. And, you know, talking about how, uh, I forget what, what specific part of the case she's talking uh, about here. She's just saying, like, the circumstantial evidence is overwhelming, oh. that there was a golf tee found in the dry cleaners. Like, how could you, how could you not think it was Gendison at that point? Yeah, he had just been golfing. We know that. Uh, and uh, Jerry, though, is distracted by the Newman connection. <laughs> and he's, like, analyzing her face. You can tell. By the way, this 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 face move is kind of like a trademark later on of Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like, not for the same reasons, but he's always, like, looking at people's faces that way. In ex- really? Like, most of the time at the end of exchanges to see if there's any, like, tell as far as, like, what they've just said to him. Then he'll kind of, like squint his eyes and and look at them in a very in the in the way that Jerry was looking at Margaret analyzing you know her attractiveness and stuff seeing like if he can find anything wrong with her that Newman might have seen that he hadn't huh. um and I like she's like why are you looking at my face he's like where else would I look <laughs> <laughs> but and like she's almost yeah. to like call his bluff she yeah. then tells him to kiss her but he can't, and she throws him out of her car immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is a, a cool, like a good stunt by. I don't know if this was Jerry. It, it I sure don't seems know. like it, but but like the, that's a hell person, of a throw by Margaret. My God, yeah, yeah. flies out of the car, <laughs> uh, lands on the curb, and and then Jerry gives us a classic Newman because it's all <laughs> Newman's fault that he got in his head about it. Uh, over at the apartment, Elaine and Jerry are there, you know, and. Uh, Elaine is talking about how she felt so guilty. She's going out with that creepy stationary clerk. George comes in and he is irate with Elaine immediately and, you know, finds out that she let it slip to Julie that he got a thank you for buying the big salad. I like that he was like, if it was a regular salad, I wouldn't have said anything. You had to have <laughs> the big salad. <laughs> is, this where, is, is this where he like flails his arms? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic, you know, Jason Alexander. George move, uh, which I love. Uh, they turn the TV on. Uh, Jerry gets a call and, and like turns the TV on. And Gendison is running from the police. We get a shot of the... It's funny, we mentioned how creepy it was to see in that horror-themed game on the PlayStation last week, but we get a shot not only of Jerry's TV, but that fourth wall in the background. Yeah. <laughs> how weird is that? It, it it's, it's so weird. Because you just yeah. never see it. I think this no. is maybe, what, the third or fourth time through the run of the series that we've seen this shot? Yeah, definitely. Maybe? It's, it's weird. But also on the TV is footage of Gendison, but it's actually the O.J. Simpson chase in the white Bronco. <laughs> Good Lord. And, of course, it's Kramer that's driving. He says that he's taking Gendison to see his fish. He's going to see his fish. And they're arguing over the route that Kramer has taken. He says, you had to take the Long Island Expressway. This wouldn't have happened. And and Kramer's like, I thought we'd blend in. And uh, so anyway, that's pretty much the end of the episode. Except we get one more stand-up bit. And that is about how murder is not that great of a revenge. Jerry thinks (laughs) years of psychological torture is better. Stuff like, you know, calling him in the middle of the night and hanging up. Sending pizzas and cabs to their house. Uh, so, so that so that the person you're getting revenge on is eventually just like, oh, I wish they'd kill me already. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a weird, like again, like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, psychopath, like yeah, <laughs> like I actual think so. sociopath. I think so. <laughs> and he's like, you know, if I wanted revenge on someone, I wouldn't straight up murder them. Although I am capable of it. <laughs> you know what I do? I torture them psychologically Jesus and mentally. Christ. Like, oh my gosh. Don't say that out loud. <laughs> you know, mental torture is a much better revenge than... No, Jerry. God. No, no one is thinking that, Jerry. <laughs> I know we're all thinking that... <laughs> no, not one person here was thinking that. <laughs> you know, you know, don't murder a guy. Kidnap his family. Uh, that's the way Christ, to go. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> you know, kill their pets. That's the way to... Good That's Christ. the way to get revenge. <laughs> Am I right, people? I mean, this is just observational humor. <laughs> <laughs> 
man, my, my Seinfeld really fell apart at the end. I'm like, <laughs> it did, totally but it's okay. Gone. It did, like, but it's who okay. is that at one point? <laughs> it turned it turned into more of a oh, there's one character that it sounded like uh, somebody in BoJack, I think. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't know that. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then he also says that, you know, he talks about how police will beat up a suspect, but they always make sure that they don't hit their head on the car on the way in, which was, you know, is would kind of be a, a funnier observation in 1990 before we knew how rampant oh. police brutality really was. <laughs> it, it, it's different. It hits different because it is. It's. It is. I oh, hate, no. I hate, the the, fra- I don't like the phrase. It hits different. It <laughs> hits different. Yeah. But I mean, it. It is a funny observation. But like now we realize, you know, just how bad it. Oh, just how Lord. bad of a problem it is. Like so, you almost like yeah. The the second part's funny, but the first part is like. And it's not problematic because of Jerry. It's not Jerry's fault that, no, you know, no, this, police brutality. This, this is one of the rare things uh, that uh, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld has a problematic joke, but it is 100% not his fault. <laughs> not his fault. Well, We're not that, blaming you know, the police that, brutality epidemic. That we know of. I, I, yeah, I, I, will go, I will go as far as to say maybe there is this huge conspiracy where Jerry Seinfeld is the leader of all police brutality. We do not know. <laughs> It's true. We can't prove. We don't know his whereabouts uh, for a lot of these cases. So it may have been Jerry Seinfeld, but oh, no. But but so the joke is funny. And in, in if the premise wasn't such a sobering reality, I I would like this joke more now. You know what I mean? I mean, because you yeah. always do that thing on the head, like whoa, don't bump your. There's a sharp. Oh, be careful. You know, yeah, it's, it's you, funny. It, you might get a goose egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is we, funny. We, we, we know you just robbed this store and shot the owner, but we don't want you to get a goose egg on your head. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, so that's that's the end of the episode. Uh, did we have any homework then? Yeah, we're going to find out what a chunky is. Okay. So this is like the, the, already the... Is this the second candy this season or was the... Um, uh yeah it was so we we already were like really puzzled about what juju bees were even though we didn't really uh count them as homework we just kind of figured they were gummy fruits which is what they are well that was um, technically end of season five you're right you're right that was the opposite yep so um, we, so we got chunkies and, chunkies and uh, there was something else early on i want to look and see uh if the froyo shop is right next to stationers in the episode yeah, with the frozen yogurt but also yeah. I, I just personally want to go back and look at the storefront of stationers to see how out of place it looks because i i didn't catch that yeah the signs always look and i think it's because i'm watching them you know on my on a on a big tv and yeah, the, and the upscaling in HD like just makes it look so much more. It's so much more obvious that it that they've that they made yeah. signs that the prop department made signs and then they put them up a lo- on a lot of these places. I'm I'm just uh, I'm just glad that it doesn't look like any of it was done with CG because that would definitely be out of place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any anytime they've attempted any sort of blue screen or whatever, it's bad. Uh, it's, yeah, bad. it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as bad as all the Larry David uh, loops dialogue that we get. <laughs> The ADR from Larry David. Oh, uh, the oh, LDADR. Oh, you mean uh, notable voice actor uh, <laughs> who played Saddam Hussein? Yes, exactly. You'll catch your death of cold. <laughs> Why is Saddam Hussein British? <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, I, I feel like there was one or two more things, but maybe I'll catch him on uh, the re-listen. Uh, okay, did we want to come up with a better description? I think we can try. So we had Jerry learns his date was dumped by Newman. Kramer worries that he caused a murder, and George's petty remarks cause him trouble. Uh, all right, we might have to tackle this one by one because I, the first okay. part's the most problematic. Because I wouldn't want to. I, I feel like that's a that's a reveal that she dated Newman. Yeah, like, I think that's so. a surprise. Uh, how so, about Jerry learns his date knows Newman? What about Jerry learns his date as a? troubling past or something like that or dated a friend no not a friend dated someone he knows hmm maybe jerry learns his date dated someone he knows mm, that, that's, jerry that's kind of clunky his, yeah i wish we could find another because i don't know if i want to call her girlfriend at this point okay let, let's come back to it kramer worries okay. that he caused a murder yeah i don't hate it I, okay. I can keep it okay and george's petty remarks cause him trouble that sounds good too. Oh See, my god! See, I wish god. we could find a way to say, like, um, okay, 
like make Jerry the focal point of it. Maybe that's the way to go about it. Like so, Jerry obsesses over his dates past former. J- yeah, Jerry over obsesses his over his dates past. Yeah, I, I like that. And then Kramer. Or maybe what about past relationship? Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think I can do that. Uh, Jerry Jerry obsesses over his dates, past relationship. Kramer worries that he caused a murder. George's petty remarks cause him trouble. I love it because then you still get the fun reveal of of Newman being the one that she dated. And, there we and go. That's puzzling to everybody. There we go. I like it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So next week we have got season six, episode three, the pledge, gr- the pledge drive. Original air date October sixth, nineteen ninety four. If you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Jerry accepts an invitation to help with a PBS pledge drive. Very, uh, very cut and dry there. Yeah. Doesn't give away too much. All right. Is that it? That's it. All right. For no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good. Be good.